Hour two, Mutton Lou, 93.7 WE. Yeah, we see you guys stacked up on the Patriots and Vince Wilfork. We'll get to your calls in just a couple of minutes. Take a brief hockey break as the Bruins play another set of their back-to-backs in March. They've won seven in a row and are rolling now. Coming out of that Olympic break, and Pierre Maguire was there Wednesday. See them take on Montreal, and Pierre joins us here on the AT&T Hotline. Pierre, Mutton Lou, how are you? Doing very well, Mutt. Good to visit with you. Hello, Lou. Hello there, Pierre. And you're seeing a Bruins team right now that is absolutely on fire. I know you saw them out in Montreal. Just your take of a team just a week or so following that trade deadline. What did you see? They're strong. They really are tight as a group. They uh, haven't messed with the integrity of their roster. Uh, their defensive zone posture is getting better and better all the time. I think Andre Mazaros is going to fit in well with uh, Zidane Char. He's going to help the power play as well. They've done a lot of things well there in Boston for a long period of time now. And when you watch them play, you get the sense that this is a group that's really becoming a well-oiled machine. One of the interesting things, I don't know how much it's being talked about down in Boston, but the way Chris Kelly has been able to move over to the wing rather than be at center so that Carl Soderberg, who's much more comfortable playing center, can play center. And I think you've seen Soderberg really start to rise, and Kelly's been a great trooper handling that assignment, moving from center to wing. See, it's it's like you normally do. You jump my thought because I, I will tell you, it's being spun a different way, uh, that third line and, and what they've done. It's not being spun as, hey, great job by Kelly going to the wing, Pierre. The story is Soderberg. I mean, this is a guy we saw for six games at the end of last year, uh, has come in this year, and he doesn't look like a European player. He doesn't play like a guy you would see on a, 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 a Olympic team because he is so freaking physical that the Bruins expect him to be this physical, and that way they were so anxious to get him over here. Well, I remember last year you guys asked me for a scouting report on him, and I basically tried to tell you that this is not a typical European player. This is more of a Johan Franson type of a player, a bigger body with great hand skills. The first time I saw him play – He's playing for Malmo in the south of Sweden. The next time I saw him play, he's playing for Linköping, which is a top team uh, in the Swedish Elite League. And you could see his hand skills phenomenal, his grit and his uh, compete very high, uh, his skating for a big man very good. But again, I, I, you know, people always want to talk about the young star. They don't want to talk about the old guy that's kind of moved over to accommodate this and. Um, obviously, the extra ice helps Soderberg a lot, and not having a play on the boards helps him a lot. But Chris Kelly deserves a lot of credit for this. He really does. I think he's done valiant work. And you can see Louis Erickson's fit in very well there uh, along with uh, Soderberg and Kelly. You know, Pierre, it's been three games now. Dougie Hamilton was the scratch, the first two, and Tori Krug uh, last night. Is this just a feeling-out process, do you believe, in trying to see, you know, Get, get, get Mazeros on the right side, get him on the left side, see who he pairs up with, move on from there? Yeah. I think there's a lot that goes into it. I don't just think it's about one person or two per year and have guys fighting for ice so that everybody stays fresh, but everybody stays focused. Um, and I, I like the way the Bruins are handling things. Is it easy to watch Dougie Hamilton sit out back-to-back games? No, because I think Dougie's starting to make significant progress in his career. Uh, is it easy to see Krug set out? No, it's not. But, again, this is part of having a competitive, deep roster, and that's one of the things I admire so much about the Bruins and what Cam Neely and Peter Shirelli, Donnie Sweeney, and Jimmy Benning have been able to do there. You know, I don't know if you think it's a, it's going to be a matchup thing moving forward, you know, maybe when you get into the postseason or not based on the teams they're going up against and who they play. But if not, who are the top six defensemen on this team? How do you see this thing shaking out? 
that's really a loaded question because I'm a big Dougie Hamilton guy, and I really admire the way Tory Krug's come into the National Hockey League and played as well as he has, especially last year in the playoffs. So uh, tough for me to say who their top six are because I'm not with them every day. Um, but obviously I had a chance to watch him in Montreal, and I really appreciate the way they played in Montreal as a group, and I know Dougie wasn't in there. In a perfect world, they have everybody being able to fit in, and they get Dennis Seidenberg back, but that's not going to happen. Boy, Chuck and Chara have to be right at the top of the food chain, I think, with this group, and then you just move from there. One of the interesting things, though, fellas, is I don't think anybody outside of Donnie Sweeney, Jimmy Benning, and Peter Shirelli and Cam Neely thought that Tory Krug would have this kind of an impact on the team. And that's a real positive thing for their group. Yeah, he changed the power play last year, and he's been part of that bottom yep. six here this year. He's Pierre Maguire. Uh, and he joins us here talking all things Bruins. I, I what, have you, what did you think about Jordan Caron, Pierre, getting a chance to see him play? With Daniel Pye out, he got the elevation. I guess the, the questions become here, you know, if Caron had to play a lot, if someone else got hurt, he seems to be next winger up. How much of a drop-off is Caron from what they have right now in their top 12? Not a lot. Again, I go back to watching Jordan when he played at Notre Dame in Saskatchewan as a midget player and then moved into the Quebec Major Junior League with Ramuski and was very good with Ramuski and uh, should have made a world junior team for Canada, but he got devastated. Uh, open ice hit in the summer, separated his shoulder, did serious damage to his shoulder. Colton Tubert, the former first-rounder of the L.A. Kings, did that to him. Um, I don't think it's a big drop-off. I think he's really made significant progress, and so you admire the way he goes in there. I didn't like the hit, by the way, uh, that Lars Eller put on him, but I liked the response from Jordan Carroll. He went right after him, and then Eller hid behind uh, you know, the smaller <laughs> Brendan Gallagher. I didn't like that at all. Um, but that being said, I liked the response from Jordan. I don't think there's a big drop-off when Jordan plays. You know, Pierre, we talk about the Eastern Conference, and it still continues to, to look like it's Bruins and it's Pittsburgh. Um, where where are they at now? Week after the the trade deadline, you know, as far as Latang and Martin, some injuries. How they feel about themselves? How they came out of it? They're actually feeling good about themselves right now. Marcel Gotch was a quiet little slick addition. He's a underrated player, a good depth player for Pittsburgh. They've had problems finding the right winger to play with Sidney Crosby and Chris Kunitz. They tried Brian Gibbons there the former Boston College star. Uh, Brian's a nice player, but I don't think he's a top six forward in the National Hockey League on a consistent basis. But what they've done is by adding Lee Stepniak out of Dartmouth, a former teammate of Tanner Glass, who's already at uh, Pittsburgh Penguins situation, I think they've added a player that's just starting to warm to the task. I think Lee Stepniak's going to be one of those under-the-radar acquisitions that's really going to help Pittsburgh in the playoffs, and he's definitely fitting in with Crosby and Kunitz right now. So it'll be interesting, but I think the Penguins are starting to feel better about themselves. They'll get Paul Martin back before the playoffs start. The potential is there for them to get Christopher Letang back as well. The one thing, if I were watching this, and I remember talking to you guys about Ryan Miller and Steve Ock going to St. Louis, I'll say the same thing about the Penguins now. Watch for a lot of their players not to return until after um, after the playoffs start, only because then the cap goes away and they don't have any cap-related issues. So that's something to watch for in terms of players coming back into the roster. I asked you this last week. Uh, you, had the, you had the Bruins and Pittsburgh Penguins as the clear-cut 1-2 in your mind, right. Pierre. That top tier. It's been a week, really, since the trading deadline. I'm curious now, who is that? Is there a number three or are there a bunch of teams having you had a chance to see these teams start to gel after the transactions that would be behind the, the Bruins and the Penguins? There's a bunch of teams, and they're all about the same. It's Tampa Bay, it's Toronto, it's Montreal, it's the New York Rangers. 
uh, potentially Columbus. Watch for Columbus to be a sleeper. I know they lost in a shootout last night uh, to San Jose. That's not a bad thing. San Jose is one of the better teams in the league. Everybody knows that. That was their fourth win in a row, and they're just starting to percolate now after the trade deadline as well. San Jose, so watch for Columbus. But they're a bunch of teams that are very similar, Mutt. The one team that I would be fearful of, only because they don't know any better, they're still young, they've got Sergei Bobrovsky, one of the sleepers to pay attention to is going to be Columbus. I really believe that. All right, Pierre, I'm really going to test you here because locally, I'm going to go college on you. Johnny, oh boy. Johnny, hockey, uh, Johnny Goudreau for BC. Johnny Goudreau, absolutely. Player, player of the month in hockey. East. What was it, December, yeah. January, and February. Pro- property of the Calgary Flames. What, what's yeah. the deal with Johnny Goudreau? Is there any chance he comes out? Uh, I got to think there's a chance. I, it pains me to say it because I'm such a fan of the Boston College Eagles and their coaching staff. I'm very friendly with Coach York and, and Coach Brown over there, and was real good friends with Mike Cavanaugh before he moved on to the University of uh, Connecticut, where he's a head coach. So I like their program a lot. I had Marty McGinnis, who's a new assistant there, as a hockey schooler. So I mean, I've known that staff for a long time. Um, I got to think he's coming out, and it pains me to say that, Lou. It really. He's does. tiny, right? What is, he's listed at five eight, but how tall is he? He's tiny. I would say he's closer to five six. Yeah, <laughs> five six, five six. I'd say he's Brian Gianta's size. So you're talking five six, five seven. But the thing about Johnny Goudreau that's amazing to me, and again, I'll, I'll go best on best. So I go to last year when he was part of uh, a U.S. World Junior team that won gold, and he was an important part of it. He and Jimmy VC out of Harvard were a big part of the top line with J.T. Miller. Uh, and I got to tell you, just watching them play and watching him best on best, his game actually elevated, and that says a lot about his ability to play. I got to think Brian Burke's going to try to get him out. Uh, he'd be a real important player, and I don't think there'd be a huge transition for him to make from uh, playing in hockey to go to the NHL for him just because of his skill level. It's amazing. I'm not going to ask you about college right. hockey. I'm going to ask you about the broadcast on Wednesday night. Now, you are usually between the boards. Wednesday, you yeah. were – with basically with Chad Johnson the entire game, as far as I could tell, you sat next to the Bruins' backup goaltender. Does that happen a lot? And and do you are, you are you guys talking during commercials? Are you guys becoming friends during these games, Pierre? How does that happen? Actually, he actually sat and listened to everything. I was standing, and it's the only building in the league, mutt, where I have to work on the opposite side because there's not. Well, at least the Canadians claim there isn't enough room over there. Which <laughs> I say BS to. Um, and that's something that I know NBC and the league are trying to negotiate going forward, potentially for the playoffs. There's more than enough room for two broadcasters to be on the Canadians' bench side of the ice, so we'll see how that plays out going into the playoffs. But I'll tell you this, uh, Chad was great to sit. He was sitting out standing to stand next to. Uh, he, I think he learned a lot about the game, and he learned a lot about how TV works in terms of how we build our video packs and how we watch the game and he was a delight to sit next or him sitting I'm standing he was a delight to stand next to he was great you know why though hold on you know why hold on he's great because you guys threw a graphic up there that showed the save percentage of the backup goaltender winning percentage a winning percentage I'm sorry and he was number one of course he liked just standing there well you know what you know what's amazing he saw how that was built because if he's on the bench we're not doing that so we call a truck and say, okay, we know as a group, Doc Emmerich and I know that. So we say, build this graphic, and we're going to bring this guy into the broadcast. And that's how that happened. So he saw how that took place, too. And that speaks to the greatness in our truck uh, for the guys to be able to turn that around as quickly as they did. With was, was he aware of that stat? Uh, I think he was. I think usually you're aware of those. <laughs> I would say so, right? <laughs> the good ones. <laughs> but, 
But I think he was a little bit surprised that it flashed up that quickly. <laughs> Pierre, great stuff. Uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh this weekend. Yes, sir. I'm going to be in. Uh, I'll be in Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh starting tomorrow for Pittsburgh and Philly on Sunday at 12 o'clock, and then right after the game, flying into uh, Boston. I'll be going to my one of my favorite haunts on Sunday night to watch a little hockey. The Waterfront Bar down by the old the Fairmont Hotel at Battery Wharf. Love going to the waterfront and hanging out with those guys there and watching hockey. And if things work out, we hope to see you on uh, Monday, Pierre, as we get set for a St. Patrick's Day show. We appreciate the time as always, and travel safe this weekend. I really appreciate that, Mutt. Lou, take care of yourself. The only way I won't be there Monday is if the evil people at NBC make me do some taping in the morning at the skate. Bastards. If not, I will be there with bells on and really excited to do it. Nice. We'll cross our fingers, Pierre. Thanks. You guys are great. Have a great weekend, everybody. He's All the right, best, man. Pierre McGuire. I had, uh, to, I, had to go, I had to go local. I'm sorry, Johnny.